0: Yo, what is going on? It's your humble correspondent, John Ross Marcus. Guys, coming back to you with the Way Too Much Chair MC podcast. It is April thirteenth. It's around noon when I'm recording this. Hopefully, I'll get it out. I'll get it published pretty uh, quickly after that. I'm going to jump right into the topic. I don't know if it, hopefully y'all have read the, the show title, Kentucky's Kangaroo Court, and the description. says, "What if I told you that your state government and in, in in essence, I think this is going on in most states and even at a federal level. But what if I told you that your state government was ran by 10 people? So in Kentucky, we have 138 elected representatives be- between the House and the Senate. But what if I told you that 10, 10 of those 138 basically control everything? Well, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And we're going to dig into that a little more here today. So I know that many of you, many of my listeners have been, you know, are are pretty well in tune to the goings on of the state legislature in Kentucky. And on that last day, and I talked about this in in the last show, several key legislators were removed from several committees. So we had Josh Calloway removed from agriculture. Education. We had Mark Hart removed from Agriculture. Had Felicia Rayborn removed from Agriculture, Families and Children, and Health Services. Had Stephen Don removed from Education and Judiciary. Nancy Tate from Families and Children. Kimberly Moser from Licensing Occupations and Administration Administrative Regulations. Again, Moser was removed because she called her colleagues Neanderthals on the, on the House floor. Understand some. Uh, you know, some uh, disciplinary, disciplinary actions. The rest of these people it was in what we'll say is a a, a revolt, though although it's not what it was at all, to these powerful these the the power ten, you know, in the in the legislature and in, in their in this instance the power five that's in their that's specifically in the House of Representatives. And real quick we're going to go over here, and we're, I'm going to show you. We're going to watch a few things happening. And the stuff I'm about to show you, this all happened on March 15th, okay? So bear with me here. Hold on one second. So this is when it all started. Right here, hold on. And This is, this is Representative Josh Callaway from Breckenridge County and Hardin County. In discussion on Senate Bill 5, on March 15th, Let's listen to this for a second. So that's what started this. And what he's talking about there is he filed some amendments to this to Senate Bill 5. He filed these amendments to Senate Bill 5 because every other avenue of trying to get certain pieces of legislation and certain language through on other legislation was being stonewalled or just totally ignored. And we've talked about this already in the past. Okay, well, that... that that caused a series of series of events to occur. All right, and so we're ne- the next thing I want to show you here is Mr. Josh Calway here asking for a roll call vote on on this on this amendment. So give me one second here. It may take it a minute to buffer. So we'll talk in in between that. So, first of all, notice that you heard several people make the motion to hear it and many, and others to second it. So, it's obvious that people wanted this thing to be heard after his impassioned speech that he gave on the, on the Senate floor there. You also heard the word point of order. Okay, so it's, it's important. Let's continue listening here for a second. Okay, so let's, let's foil your Stephen Rudy. Let's talk about what germane means. Basically, the Constitution of State of Kentucky states that any bill filed has to pertain to to one thing and one thing only. Okay, and that it has to be defined in the title. Now, it sounds great. And I think most of us would agree that, that needs to be the case. But what that tends to lead to is people being creative on the title, okay, or just being super vague, but what it also tends to lead to is the fact that at the end of the day, whether or not something is germane, like, so there's five topics, there's five things being covered in the bill, whether or not they're all pertaining to what that title says, is totally up to the discretion of the Speaker of the House. Okay, so let's let's, let's keep listening. Okay, so there you have it. You hear what the speaker of the house ruled there. Now for those of y'all that are that are that are watching, you can see debate on SB five, Senator Howe, an act relating to education and declaring an emergency. The only thing really that matters there is an act relating to education. Everything that the speaker just just pointed out that this amendment would cover only pertained to the educational system the public educational system of State of Kentucky. So everything in this bill was germane. And as I've said before, conversations have been taking place for, for two months, literally, I, hell, actually even longer than that. We might as well say close to four months of what this, of what, H.P. one seventy three and SP one hundred and two were going to encompass, which is basically what this amendment was was getting those bills put into this one. The germaneness or the germanity or whatever you want to call it was never called into question, because that's why the bill was written the way it was, specifically to keep it to within within the educational system. Okay, so. SB 5's title was an act relating to education. This, these Josh's amendments all were unquestionably, at least as related to the subject of, of education as, as SB 5 was in general. SB 5 was an obscenity bill. But guess what? Even if the amendment hadn't, wasn't germane or hadn't been germane, there were two other title amendments in there ready to go that were an act relating to the protection of children and declaring an emergency and an act relating to children. So, ducks were in a row. T's were crossed and I's were dotted. And the following day, when SB 150 was finally passed, it also had you know, language from four other bills in it that were having to deal with the same stuff that was just brought up there for the most part, but also, you know, trans, transgender surgeries, transgender hormone treatments, transgender treatments, I mean, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff. And that was just an act relating to children. And when the Democrats challenged the Germanity or Germaneness of that bill, which I ain't going to lie, was a reasonable challenge, totally reasonable. The same Speaker of the House deemed it to be germane. Let's keep listening for a second. I want you all to know something. I'm very speaker. I'm, just, I'm very speaker. I'm. I've been very fair to speaker. I consider he and I to have a fairly, fairly good relationship. But there's no doubt that that was a low blow. We do not suspend the Constitution. I bet I could run circles around all of them on knowing the Constitution. But that simple question that Josh gave there should tell everybody that everyone was taken off was taken was caught off guard by this by this ruling. I want you to keep listening so so we can listen for uh, the other member that brought up the challenge here that ended up getting these, getting everybody kicked off their committee. Then I'm gonna get to the point after that. So that was, that was representative Felicia Rayborn. I think she's from Trimble County. I believe Henry County one of, the, one of those two. I apologize. I, I felt bad. I know all, I know, I know most of them, but I don't have any idea where, like what counties that they're from or districts or anything like that. Stepping up and, you know, if she wouldn't have did anything right then and there, that has been the end of it. Regardless of, you can't go back and say like, and convince people that it was the, you know, that it was Jermaine or whatever—that that was it. Now there, that that challenge right there—I'm just going to cut it off at that point. What Fleet Faber just did right there is why all those people were kicked off of those committees because all these people, other than Kim Moser, were people that were people that um, voted to overturn his his ruling. Okay. Now, you may say, okay, what, so what's, where's the kangaroo court part of the title going to come into play here? I'm going to let you hear So, a kangaroo court, I'm going to give you a definition here, is an unauthorized, unofficial court, the sole purpose of which is to provide the image of a fair legal process. In actuality, the fate of the accused is actually decided in advance with no consideration being made as to the fairness of the situation. Kangaroo courts are typically associated with groups that practice their own brand of justice, which is outside of the formal judicial process. And then to explore this context, there's the following kangaroo court definition. So, there's some definitions. A, a bogus court, the intention of which is to provide the illusion of a fair justice system where none exist, or a mob or self-appointed tribunal that mocks, that mocks society's principles of law or human rights. The Oxford definition, the Oxford dictionary defines it as an an unofficial court held by a group of people in order to try someone regarded, especially without good evidence, as guilty of a crime or misdemeanor. In a less literal sense, it is used to refer to proceedings or activities where a judgment is made in a manner that is unfair, biased, and lacks legitimacy. A little bit more here. Bear with me. Kangaroo courts are systems that are set up to give the illusion of a fair and legal justice process when in actuality they do not support unbiased justice. Instead, they often decide the fate of the accused in advance, usually for the purpose of securing a conviction. That doesn't pertain here, but this happens either by manipulation of true court proceedings. So instead of saying the court proceedings is a system and the manipulation of the system. Or by denying the accused a proper defense essentially a kangaroo court favors a speedy trial over following the proper procedure examples of kangaroo court are those involving soldiers at war inmates in jail yada yada here what i'm trying what i'm saying is our kangaroo court is something called the committee on committees okay so, going back to our Constitution, to the Constitution, every bill that's filed must be assigned to a committee. Now, those of us that are normal, like human beings, that just assume that everybody's wanting to, wanting to stay true to the spirit of the intention of something, you may think, okay, well, that, that guarantees all these bills are getting into a committee that, that pertains to them. No instead of every bill immediately getting assigned to a committee that would actually actually hear the bill to to, to circumvent the Constitution they created the committee on committees which is basically made up of leadership in both in both sides of the state state Congress so on the the house standing committee on committees is comprised of our Speaker of the House our, our I think they call it the President, pro tempore, I think they, they just call him the, the pro-tem or something, or president, pres-tem or something. Okay, the caucus chair, the floor leader, and the majority whip. Then you also have the minority leader, um, the minority, I think caucus chair, and one of the other, but the minority, even they don't, they don't really matter. They're outnumbered. And on the Senate side, it's your president of the Senate your majority whip, your caucus chair, your floor leader, and uh, I can't remember what they call the other one. But here you get to, So in, in the House, it's David Osborne, David Mead, Suzanne Miles, Jason Nemus, and Stephen Rudy. And on the Senate side, it's Robert Stivers, Judy Rocky Adams, David Givens, Damon Thayer, and Mike Wilson. Those ten people, the five on the House and the five on the Senate, are the kangaroo court. Okay, it is a body created to anytime someone ch- chal- you know, questions some kind of process or whatever to give the illusion that it's all working out. So, the fact they would say that the Committee on Committees was created in order for, to abide by the Constitution and get every bill onto a committee so they can then devise them out and get them to the correct committees. So it goes a, a bill for education. We go to the committee on committees. And then we get assigned to the education committee. What they don't tell you is a whole bunch of bills never even make it to a committee. They just sit on committee on the committee on committees. Okay, and because they're on the committee on committees, they made it to a committee, and therefore qualifies for their the constitutional requirement to put a bill on committee. Now the Senate this year actually did assign all their bills out, but the, the House didn't and I't haven't heard anybody say they're planning on doing on changing it any, anytime soon. Okay now the, these committee members, they are elected. they are elected by the, by the cha- by their by, by, by their respective chamber and they go around and they you know they try to lobby to get people to get their chamber to vote for them and all that stuff. But a lot of times I don't think these reps and and senators understand the authority that they're vesting in these people. And they've never been given the opportunity to vote to not give them all that authority. So in addition to deciding what bills make in the committee, all that, this committee decides what committees everyone is on. How many they're on. Who the vice chairs are, who the chairs are, what what bills will even make it into committee. So you may say, okay, well, there's a there's a committee there's a committee chair. So they're they're, they're getting to pick the bills they want. I hate to inform you, they absolutely do not. They are middle management, and they take whatever bills that leadership tells them to. Okay, you may say, well, we can go out and get broad support for a bill and it'll override this. Consider this for a second. HB 177, which is the bill, parental rights bill that Shane Baker from Whitley, Pulaski County, filed. He was the vice chair of his committee. Had nearly 50 co-sponsors on it. His his bill that he was the vice chair of the education committee on for and his bill that was an education bill didn't even get a committee hearing you know why because those five people said it wasn't going to get one so that brings me back to the to SB5 here on the I'm talking about with Josh Calloway and what happened getting these people removed from their committees Even though the argument had been made that the votes were there for this bill, you know, stand alone, but also as an amendment. They, what had been told of the caucus was this. Now, I'm not, this isn't any kind of like secret information here, that any amendments to this bill was, was going to kill it. Okay, nothing would get done. And they had effectively convinced people of that. But what they meant by that when they said it was going to kill it was that when this bill went back over to the Senate for them to concur with the changes, they were saying these five people, Robert Stivers, Judy Rick Adams, David Gibbons, Damon Thayer, Mike Wilson, What the what House Leadership was saying was that those five people wasn't cool with it. Cause guess what? We had also whipped this these amendments and these top these topics and these other the standalone bills prior to this. Amongst the entire Senate body. But they but they were they're talking about these five people. And that's one of the things. It's like when you hear when you hear your, your your reps, your senators let your your state reps email you back or talk to you and say, you know, well, you know, Senate wasn't gonna, you know, didn't agree with it or you know, or what have you. What they're really meaning is that leadership isn't okay with it, and by leadership they mean the committee on committees, and these five people in e- in either direction. So that that's. So that that was the, the the issue that came up on this on this bill specifically, okay. But that's not even this isn't even the half of why this isn't and um, why this is an, why this is an issue and why like I'm considering these two groups kangaroo courts, okay. It's because of the I'm calling, so I'm moving on from this one specific topic here on SB five and I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, you know, but. What Josh Callaway did, what Felicia Rayborn did, what Mark Hart did, what Nancy Tate did, n- none of it was a- against leadership, challenging leadership. As you can see there, no one expected that to happen. And they choreograph everything in this, in everything before it goes to the floor. They choreograph all of it. They, There was one person that threw a curveball, two was the full leader, Stephen Rudy, and the Speaker of the House, David Osborne. They threw the curveball, and they caused what happened in there. No one else. And and I'm probably going to mess up my own relationships here, saying this. But again, like, me having a relationship with them, if it's not resulting in good things happening for... The general populace, what do, they, what do they matter anyways? You all need to know the information, but there is no way they could say, they can say any of those people did anything wrong when there had been months in the making, and no one had no one was telling them do not call this amendment. Their plan all along was to let them call it, let them chit on the floor a little bit, and then shut it down. And they didn't tell them how they were going to shut it down. And so nobody knew how to respond. And they just responded accordingly. Okay. Now, one person left that wasn't involved in this, that was removed from committees, was Stephen Doan. Earlier in the session, he had made a motion to table a bill that delete that the establishment, that leadership wanted through. Okay, it was a gray machine bill. They're gonna ban these like gambling machines that were taking for popping up in mom and pop shops, Seven Eleven stuff like that. But you know, the everyday the everyday average Kentuckian was actually making a little you know making a little bread off of it. They were gonna ban these things, and then basically only Churchill Downs and Keeneland were gonna be able to make any money off of them. So he filed a motion to table to table this bill. So there could be more discussion on it, and lo and behold, it the the motion passed. They didn't expect that, so they were dub- they were doubly mad at him for that, and the fact that he and the fact that he voted to overturn the, the speaker's ruling on the humanity of the of that amendment. So that's why he got he got removed off. I tell you all this really for a couple for a couple things, for one, one really big thing: understanding legislative procedure. Is it's very, very, very important, and like if you're not on this kangaroo court, you can you you're going to have to learn it so you can use these things to to your advantage. So you're going to you're going to, have to study legislative procedure, study what's called a Mason's manual, and use it to your advantage to advance your agenda because. This kangaroo court can do anything they want, okay. And just and just take note: anything that you use out of that Mason's manual that they don't agree with, they're going to like until other things are changed. They're going to use it against you. But if there's something you want to stop or try to advance or whatever, it's the only way you're going to, be able to do it. No amount of transparency, no amount of organization, no amount of like good faith, you know, stuff like that is going to is going to help you. If these ten people don't want it to happen, it ain't going to happen. Okay, but there is one thing that, that people can do, that, the, that our legislators can do, and that we actually can help them with. Cham- the chamber rules are also very important. And the votes for the, adopting those rules, you know, and also the votes on who's getting into leadership are actually, I mean, Probably the most important votes of any election cycle, honestly, I mean, I tell people I tell my kids in football all the time like you win the games in July when you're practicing. you know like if you if you're winning games or you have a great season, that's just a byproduct that's just the, that's just the end result of successful practices in June and July. Same can be said here. if you get stuff through. That you want, and you're not part of the part of the establishment. So, if, you know, you don't have to be one of the. Obviously, these five people are the only people getting a vote on any of this stuff, on who's getting to go into committees and all that. But like, you know, if you're part of the establishment, I mean, you still got like a say, you're, you're still at least getting to the voice, getting to voice, put your input into the whole conversation without worrying about like retribution. But, like, this this House rules package is what gives the Speaker the power to make rulings on germaneness, on whether a bill is a piggyback, so if it contains substantial, takes another bill. Like, a lot of these decisions are are just arbitrary, okay? But this rule package is also where they can make a difference on who committee chairs are, who committee vice chairs are, what determines... Whether or not a bill gets a vote, you know any you know, that the, that that kind of thing. All right, and so there's a few things that I do think that we need to folk that they sh- we should focus on the reps and us as individuals trying to like encourage them on steps forward. And I'll implore you to say this: like, until these things happen, until there there are rules changes, so. They ain't they ain't gonna get rid of, any of these leadership people this session. They can maybe make get some rules changes done. They won't be able to change leadership until after this next election cycle. But the reason I keep saying it like there's certain bills, and I'm, again, I'm not even gonna talk about these bills yet because I'm trying to give everybody their wins or whatever. But until like until we deal with the kangaroo court situation, I'm talking about here, where bills are. Determined, predetermined to be good or bad, regardless, regardless of the of the merits, because they won't even read most of them. They just the people around them tell them they're policy people, the swamp, tell them if it's good or not. Okay, but like even then, bills that get caught up that are good, these five people in each chamber will go in and arbitrarily. Just they decide to pick up your idea or your topic. Okay but they're going to change your language very few bills get through with the language that the original bill sponsor wanted specifically though they're going to change pretty key aspects of it normally and that's basically how they say if you don't it's not, going to get, it's not going to get a hearing then it's not going to get talked about so okay it's like all right well what do i do so most of y'all know me. I'm not. I'm not so big. I'm not just a complain a complainer guy. I like to have some solutions. Let's talk about a few things they could do here. It makes no sense that these these five individuals, this kangaroo court, tend to, should can determine on its own the success or failure of any bill that any person brings forth. Y'all, you all want to know why some of your most favorite legislators don't ever get anything heard in committees. Representative Maddox, Representative Rayborn. Representative Rawlings, Proctor, Callaway, Baker, Decker, Lockett. Like, you know this year, a few of them got some stuff. You actually got some stuff in there, which I was very proud of. So, by no means am I giving you a full list of people here. You know, then you flip over to the Senate side. It's like Southworth, Senator Southworth. There ain't none of us that can do pretty good, usually. Senator Schickle. He'll get some stuff out of the Senate, but then it dies in the House. Well, it's because those 10 people, they got a little high school. You know, it's like going to a really small high school where politics and all that's coming into play. <clears throat> it's petty. <coughs> there's no... Absolutely no reason, no justification for these people controlling this. One rule change that absolutely should be numero uno top priority. Any bill that receives a certain number of sponsors should get a floor vote on the original bill. You know, or maybe some variation based on. Some, maybe it gets a vote in, in committee. So these are just ideas. Problem right now is with committees, like they're 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 tainted, but we'll talk about that in a second. But you, if you have a bill that's got fifty five co sponsors on it, and it only needs fifty one to pass the floor, it absolutely is asinine that these five people. Can can think, oh, these 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 dumb East Kentucky hillbilly preachers, like they're going to do some crazy stuff in our in our government. We can't we can't allow this to get through. And damn it, that is what they're saying. At time. I mean, like I'm just telling y'all, I live both places. I got I see biases going both ways. But it's ridiculous that these five people can take it through their favorite policy person, totally annihilate a bill, when there's fifty five sponsors on it. Now, they would say, well, co-sponsorship doesn't mean anything. Co-sponsorship just means, you know, they just want their people to see it, but they they may not really want to vote on it. Well, the culture around co-sponsorship absolutely also has to change. And from my experience, it's only the people at the top that have power that are painting the picture that co-sponsorship doesn't mean anything. Everyone else, the rank and file legislator, Knows that's the only way to show your voters what you believe in. And it's the only way to show your other rep- your colleagues what you believe in. And so, therefore, we don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. If we need to change the culture around co-sponsorship, then we'll change it. And you know what would change it immediately? The culture around it? If co-sponsorship meant you better not be signed on to this if you don't want to vote on it. Because if you sign on to it and it gets to the X amount of number of people, it's going uh, to get a four vote. So if you're lying, you're flying. So, now, I don't think it should have to be where there's 51 co-sponsors or whatever or enough to pass the floor to get a hearing in committee. You know, I think, you know, I'm kind of suggesting something like, you know, the... the like the number of members in the minority party plus 10. So right now there's eight, there's, I think, 19... Democrats in our legislature, it's like 29 co-sponsors. I mean, it means it automatically gets a, gets a committee hearing and a, and a floor vote. If it get So not 29 will get you a committee hearing if it gets out of a committee. If it gets out of committee, then it's automatic getting, automatically getting a floor vote. Okay. Then on the Senate side, it'd be the number of the minority, which I think is 6 plus 4 or 6 or something. You know what I mean? Let's say it's got to get 10 or 12. Senate, if it gets a committee, and if it gets out, it gets a floor vote. But, like, there's got to be a way to get it to where only these people are getting to control the language in the bills. And there's got to be a time frame. You know, what? Is it within five days of that? Because something else in our Constitution is, technically, if a bill doesn't get heard in, in its committee, so if it doesn't get a hearing, technically they can go, they, any member can call that bill for a floor vote any time and just say it wasn't called in a timely manner. Which brings me to my next thing. Probably need to codify that. What is timely manner? In my opinion, it should be like five days or... Either five days or, you know, 48 hours prior to... the end of the, you know... 40 hours before the veto period begins or something. It's got to be something to where like, the bill would actually have a chance. So that good, broadly supported, sound, and from the people, from the people's house legislation can get, can get heard. Okay, another big one for, for me is like, when they're removing these people from these committees, all these, every member which represents people, Actual human beings in the state, citizens of the state, should be guaranteed a certain number of committees. Okay. And they should be able to list, you know, you know, two or three or four that's their primaries, and they should be guaranteed to get on one of those. You know, like, people have expertise, they have things that they care about. You know, we don't want... There there shouldn't be committees where everybody gets thrown on that committee because they don't they know it's a BS committee or there's a but they they throw all the Democrats on that on that committee right like and then all the Republicans they don't like they on that committee shouldn't be any of that going on either but some of these people only got one committee now some of them have none Adrian Southworth has I think she has one so I think they have to have one actually right now but this is also like Again, they're representing constituents, thousands of Kentucky citizens. And these this kangaroo, these kangaroo courts, these two kangaroo courts, that are technically their own entity, but really are one big one, can just decide to be petty and totally disenfranchise 30,000 people. Another big one. Committee chairs... Okay, like it seems like it'd be very special to be a committee chair, right? Like you get to be the one that's controlling, and like being the funnel for the best, so that the best legislation, the legislation that the state most cares about, gets into committees. Or whatever. Go back and watch, and and what I'm saying right now, no one's ever said this stuff to me or whatever. He says me, you know, I'm good at reading people. If I get it wrong, I get it wrong. <clears throat> go back and watch some of these people that were committee chairs and start with them on day one and see and then go watch a hearing on toward the end there. Tell me they ain't all mostly mostly all frustrated. They don't get to call the bills they want to call. Okay, they two years ago, two sessions ago, they two sessions ago, they were railing on Spanomatics because she wasn't lobbying her bill to get it into the Senate for H B twenty eight, the medical mandate bill. Why would you be lobbying a bill if it doesn't matter anyway? Why would you be lobbying the committee chair if they don't have the authority to call the bill? Because they don't. I do know this for a fact. I know on multiple occasions this session, because I was in the middle of choreographing it, there was agreement between primary sponsors on both sides, on committee subs coming together and adding in some stuff to to make to get it it be a, make it be a broadly supported bill. I know that the committee chairs were were knew about it. I know that leadership on the respective side knew about it. Actually, for one of them, I know they knew about it on both sides. I could pull out the receipts. But, leadership, the committee on committees, the committees on committees, didn't want it to happen. So it didn't happen. And we're talking about, specifically, one that had to do with homeschool kids getting to get keys money. Homeschool kids getting to to participate in extracurriculars. And then, making sure that they couldn't force kids to get the COVID vaccine. Okay, so... Schickle, had, who had a bill that was passed thirty six to zero. One of our state senators agreed to let us put on ho- homeschool extracurricular activities in, within the public school system, and the COVID vaccine. That was sure to drop that that thirty six to zero vote down down some. He was like, "These are good. These are good things that I think need to pass, and it's obviously the only way to get them through. Do it." I, we had the votes in the committee, the education committee on the house side. Committee chair was saying he was fine with calling it calling a committee. I showed I they knew who the who the twelve members were that we had, that we knew for sure we had yes votes on, or maybe more, but we knew we had twelve, so it had gotten out. And worst case scenario, they passed that, it goes back to the Senate, they strip it down to what it was in the first place, and no harm, no foul. They didn't want it. They didn't like the fact they didn't choreograph it and that the committee on committees, the kangaroo court of Kentucky, did not choreograph it themselves. They did not like it. Okay, so what's the what's the solution to the committee chair stuff? You, know, you can't put up a vote for every, every committee member. So like, those committee on committees is going to have some authority. I'm not saying strip them away of, of everything. It's like I'm not, you know, things got to be practical. We got to be pragmatic here. But once these once these committees are formed, let the committees let those let the membership vote on their committee chair and their vice chair. Let people that would like to try to be the chair go around and try to garner support. You know, have a non-voiced vote, or what do you what do you, what do you call those? never like an, not an absentee vote, but it's like a silent ballot, and it's the best man and woman win. Top vote getter's the chair, second vote getter's vice chair. Boom, let them call their own bills. Give them actual auto- autonomy, because the com- the com- the committees are actually supposed to be extremely important. And right now, you go look at Kentucky. You look in other states. You look at the federal level. Like stuff will get out of committee, and you'll hear the people say, "Well, I'm being told this is going to get fixed before it gets to the f- or wh- when it gets to the floor." So I don't like it, but I'm going to vote for it to get out of committee. That's stupid. That's where that's supposed to happen. It's The bill's supposed to get better in committee. That's like... I mean, I'm dumbfounded by the, by those people that say that. I'm going to vote for it so it can get fixed. In, no. Is it going to be easier to fix it with 100 people doing stuff so to it? Or with the nineteen people that actually care about the topic fixing it then and there or it not getting out of committee. I actually don't have a problem with if there's a bill I'm pushing, if it gets voted down in committee, hey, it's the sponsor's fault and, and my fault or the lobbyist or whatever whoever's trying to help the person explain it. Okay, but and then one of the other big ones and I have some other ones. This is the one I'm gonna, this is the last one I'm gonna focus on right now this is probably the one that's going to be the most contentious. And this isn't just like reactionary because this just happened or whatever. Again, I think accountability, transparency, you know, vulnerability, to a radical degree, are important, especially when you have egos and extreme financial interests and all that involved, especially in those situations. But... There should be a, there should be an allowance for motions for any leadership position to be vacated by any member of the floor, any any member of the caucus. Okay, like I'm all saying, like you can't have a Democrat challenging a Republican to get removed. Of course, they they would all do that. It would end up being a you know like a procedural nightmare. But, you know, I mean, they're, like, obviously people, nobody's going to challenge to remove the Speaker of the House unless they, because there would be obvious retribution coming from that, discipline coming from that. They're not going to do it if they don't think they have, a like, a good case and that they don't have, the like, the support or the ability to voice their, their reasoning on the floor. So any member of leadership, no more than, like, I'd say no more than one time a week, can have a vacate vote brought by any member of the caucus. You know, I'd also say that member should only be able to call that, make that motion for that position, you know, once a session or something. And then by a majority vote of their caucus, that member of leadership should be removed. And a vote for the replacement shall be conducted on that same day. On that same day, if they get a majority of their caucus... So right now there's 80 Republicans in the House, 30 in the Senate. If 50 or if, uh, if 41 Republicans in the House or 16 in the Senate vote to remove them, that's a pretty daggone big deal, okay? And yes, it would be rare for that to happen again because, like, for it to happen, 16 people would have to piss off somebody with a lot of power and if they miss it by one vote all those people are going to get retribution and discipline coming their way but like again it's a balance of power it's what our founding fathers meant for meant for it to happen it's how they meant for it to happen okay so again sorry I hate to beat a dead horse and keep talking about the same situation you know, with that uh, Josh Calloway and Felicia and Mark and Steve and all them found themselves in. But it's just like, it's one of those situations to where, because it's the way things have always worked, it's easy for leadership to come back and tell people like you, well, you can't be challenged leadership like that. We, you know, we talk about this stuff behind the scenes, yada, yada. And it's easy for them to convince the rank, you know, an, an average everyday person that, like, they did something wrong. But in this situation, the offending parties, specifically Josh Kelly, could not have been more transparent. Not have been more thorough. I know this because I also was directly involved in it. And I'm radically transparent and open and thorough. And I do it, and I tell each of them, like, I don't even really care how you feel about it. That's just how I. That's just how I do business. I want to win the war of ideas, and if I'm going to, I must. If in sales, if you're going to get a no, get it quick, so you can move on to the next one. My worry is if this whole situation doesn't uh, have some kind of positive outcome, which I think it's guaranteed. It's going to, even if they don't like reinstate these people in their under their committee positions. People see what's happening. But the worst case scenario is literally all the, the the people that are left that believe in vulnerability and want to be honest and want to do things like the right way and have high character and high integrity and all that stop doing it and start, you know, hiding stuff and you start you'll see more dissent on the floor that because of that. Because why would you tell leadership something? If you know they're going to use everything in their power to shut you down. And there's no way to prepare your colleagues that, hey, there might be emotional the germane nature of this. I need you to vote for it. It's like, everything's happening too fast. Okay, but that's a perfect, this is a perfect example of why, of why people have to be more involved and have to do way more research and we have to realize that there's there's stuff that we need to know that we do not, we haven't even thought about needing to know yet. Josh and Felicia and Savannah and Mark and every, everyone far and in between need us to also be well read on these procedures, on these House and Senate rules at a federal and state level so that we can help them because they, we, they don't have the swamp in their pockets and an endless amount of payroll helping them do the research and stuff. Okay, and I'm gonna end, I'm gonna end it with this, that this you know just to tell you this isn't only a state problem. Everyone was getting so mad at Matt Gates and the, those people that were not voting for McCarthy back during the Speaker vote here several months ago. Y'all want to know why they held out as long as they did? And at the end there, whenever Gates finally, Matt Gates from the uh, Representative of Florida, he didn't vote for McCarthy, but he voted president or whatever. When he finally voted president, you know he said he said why? He said the reason was because he couldn't think of anything else to ask for. And you know what he was asking for? Rules changes. Committee structures, the way the way vote the way bills get heard in committees, what 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 causes vote bills to get vote floor votes. Can you challenge a leadership position and make a motion to vacate? All those things is what they were doing there. So the political apparatus is using this against us. They're using the rules, points of order, the Mason's manual, gentlemen's agreements, they're using our, you know, good intentions and pure hearts and like Christian values doing the right thing trying to operate the right way with high integrity. they they realized at some point time that it was working and the establishment wing of the Democrat and the Republican parties, the Uniparty, this is what they're doing to us at every level. So we got to whip ourselves into shape, understand what's happening, and go attack it. And I think we got a good group of people on there now that are going to do that. And they definitely, they definitely poked a bear with Felicia Rayborn and Stephen Doan. They ain't play, listen. They're playing for keeps. Josh playing for keeps. Mark Hart's one of the nicest guys I know in the state of Kentucky. He's playing for keeps. Nancy Tate is a daggone warrior. But then the people that like them are as well. I mean, we got a we have a good group. All right, I'm going to be having some of them on here here soon, hopefully, to discuss their backgrounds and that kind of stuff. But it's time for us to get engaged at a deep level. With that said, if you want copies of the House rules or the Senate rules, federal state level, all you gotta do is call the call Frankfurt, or call Washington, you get a free copy of them. You want copies of maps of the districts and all that, you get a free copy of them. All right, so you don't know how to do that, shoot me an email, JRMC at com. Let me up on Twitter. Way too much J-R-M-C. Shoot me a DM there. Uh, if you want, if you like the show, want to keep listening to it, you know, look it up in Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcast, pretty much any, pretty much any of the audio ones that you listen to. Search Whitey Mustard MC. Search the same thing in YouTube or Rumble. Make sure you subscribe. Hit the you know hit the like button. Leave me a comment, positive, negative, I don't care. Leave me a review, whatever i need i need to hear from from more of you we got to support each other as, as as grassroots you know individuals and organizations so again yeah, thanks all for your time today and look forward to talking to you again soon have a good weekend bye-bye